Welcome to the Dragon Slayer podcast by East Idaho Credit Union. I am Stephen, your host. With me, as always, is Bailey. And today's guest, Michelle Zeal Dingman. I always want to switch those two names around for whatever reason. I don't know why. But you're the executive director at the Snake River Animal Shelter. That is correct. As well as Idaho Falls City Council. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, it seems like you do everything. You know, I have I have dabbled in all sorts of nonprofit and uh, public service and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, marketing and, mm-hmm. and a little bit of everything, I guess. A little bit of everything. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay, so I want to go back. All right, so you're in these really interesting positions right now. But I want to talk about how you got there. And then we'll talk about what you do in those spots yeah. today. So rewind a little bit. Let's go into the past, the way back machine. Yeah. And what first kind of set you on the path into your career? You know, I was that child who knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, in fifth grade, I had made the decision I was going to become an attorney. That was all I wanted. And I'm not exaggerating. I was this crazy nerd who set up mock trials with my cousins in my living room and I would defend or prosecute. And I had a briefcase and I had papers. (laughs) This is sixth grade. Was your family all like, oh my gosh, we do not want to hang out with (laughs) Michelle. They're like, this girl's going to be weird. Um, (laughs) All your friends are like, we don't want to go to sleep over to her house. I know. Shockingly, I had very little friends as a child. (laughs) Uh, You know, no, my parents were very encouraging. They Mm -hmm. thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um, I'm a first-generation college graduate. And Mm. my parents growing up were, you know, it was just talked about all the time. It was so encouraged, like, okay, you're going to college. I mean, since I was very young, it was it was just always the plan. Yeah. So I ended up at University of Idaho in the in the political science, yeah. no, the political science was my major, and um, pre law. And I go through a semester, and true story, my academic counselor, as I go to set my second semester's worth of classes, says, "Hey, you're getting straight A's. Make that clear, everybody. It's getting straight A's." <laughs> Because the story ends with like, like you were doing terribly, weren't you? And I'm like, no, I promise I yeah. wasn't. Uh, the counselor said, listen, I got to be honest. I think you were really going to hate being an attorney. <laughs> He's like, you have way too much personality for this job. And I was like, yeah, have well, you met many attorneys? I know, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And now I have. Yeah, now I know many and, and I made the right decision. Um, <laughs> He's like, listen. It's not all law and order, you know, mm. which was, of course, my favorite show as a child. <laughs> um, and he said, have you ever considered marketing? And mm. I was in DECA, which is sort of like a marketing academic club yeah. in high school. And I was a part of something called Junior Achievement, where you set up businesses and you sell things. And I was vice president. It's only for juniors in high school. Mm-hmm. I was vice president and I won some regional awards for it. So mm-hmm. like, I knew what marketing was and I knew that it was something I'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's one, what's one extra semester, right. you know, yeah, never heard any because I skipped right? a grade. I actually skipped seventh grade. And so it was really young. I had to wait to go to school a mm. semester because my parents were like, you're not even an adult yet. Like we don't <laughs> want to send you to Moscow, you know, nine hours away. No. So I waited I know a semester. Up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're already sending you like with a pager. Um, so <laughs> sit with a, with a clear purple pager. So. Like, we need to better make sure you're an adult. So I I already waited a semester. And so at the time it was like, what's one extra semester if I don't like this? Mm-hmm. I'll just go back to political science and I'll get my law degree. Mm-hmm. So I do a semester of marketing and I just fall in love. And I realize, oh, yeah, this is probably really great advice, right? Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward, 
Um, I actually got to work for the University of Idaho for a summer mm. doing marketing for a, the building, which is called the Commons. And at the time, it was brand new and it was mm. kind of like a student union building. But they needed to create an advertising program to create a revenue source mm -hmm. for activities. So I was really fortunate that at 19, I kind of got to one start something from scratch. I had so zero cool. leadership. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> zero leadership, which I do not recommend. Um, <laughs> I, it was like, I'm creating PowerPoints with like no direction. <laughs> I will say I've had the opportunity a, a number of times through my career to start something from scratch. And man, that teaches you so much. Oh my gosh. About every, about yourself mostly, I think. Well, and I will say that it, I think that theme has followed me mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I create this from scratch. I'm just saying this is a story I've never told, by the way. I don't think All anyone right. ever known that I started working the, for them. The deep, dark Yeah. Dark and secrets, I'm in this little yeah. corner in some office and I can't even tell you who I was under like legitimately I just know I got paid like nine dollars an hour for like a summer like no boss no one watching me it's and the perfect job yeah. it was amazing and I remember going in with my hot pink disc man and my headphones and um sitting at this computer just like making powerpoints to advertise um our advertising options with like no one's permission or approval. <laughs> and I would just walk it to somebody and say, Hey, put this on the screens. They'd be like, okay. And like, I emailed this to businesses in Moscow and like tried to sell them and I was terrible. Okay. Did so you, I didn't sell any at all. I was going to ask how much did terrible. Did no, you but they love what I did. Like, mm. I'm telling you, I cannot even, I must've had a supervisor because I remember <laughs> them letting me do it. And mm -hmm. I remember them saying like, Oh, all of your design stuff looks really cool. Mm. But I know I didn't sell $1 yeah. okay, worth of ads, <laughs> not one. I did this for a semester and I was like, oh, I could, this is something I could do for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, but I spent my entire, basically my entire college career managing a taco time. Okay. <laughs> so I slung tacos. All right. I love that term. But and yeah. I, I was a taco slinger <laughs> um, at the taco time at the base of Washington State University, which is like 10 minutes down the road. OK, mm -hmm. so I got paid way more money because their minimum wage was like seven dollars more. Um, but I was managing like 50 19 year olds. OK, <laughs> and I'm like a year older than them, right. basically. <laughs> so I work 60 hour weeks. Yeah. For four years. And so now people look at my lifestyle and mm. they go, how do you do all this? And you've got kids and all this stuff. And I go, you guys, I've been doing this for a really long time. Easier than slinging tacos. Pretty, I'll tell you what. Yeah. yeah. I, I went to school from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And mm -hmm. then I worked 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. six days a week. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, how do you get all this energy? And I'm like, you guys, I've been doing this for like a really long time. <laughs> While you guys were just chilling, taking your little classes, I was working right. way more than you. You're at taco time now, okay? Yeah. 60 hours a week at the taco time, everything yeah. else. Yeah. What happens after that? Yeah, so I had toured a bunch of ad agencies on the West mm. Coast because I was originally, I was born in San Diego. My mom's in Swan Valley, though. I'm not a California <laughs> transplant, everyone. I have roots here. Um I, so I, I've actually lived a ton of places. So I've lived, um, as a child in San Diego in Texas. I spent about seven years in Nashville as a kid. I had a Southern accent when I moved back to Idaho, um, in my elementary school years. Um, and I, so I never wanted to come back here. Like many high schoolers, I did not think this was the epitome of a good time. <laughs> and so I was touring all of these ad agencies on the West coast in Seattle and San Diego. 
with the goal of actually becoming a copywriter. Oh, so I, I um, did advertising competition team for University of Idaho, and I work with them now in different capacities, which is just so funny, you yeah. know, full circle. Um, but I start this thing from scratch, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I came up with this intern program they never had. And I brand, so Megan, the intern was kind of a thing for a hot second. And we branded her mm -hmm. and we sent her out <laughs> doing social videos. Yeah, we made sure. a blog. No one was doing anything like this before. Well, what year was this? This, this was, um, 2009. It's pretty cutting edge at that, yeah. that point in time. I you mean, know, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. 2009 Facebook just became a thing. Mm -hmm. I had created, I, ha I had to go to Ballventure CEO mm -hmm. and say, I promise you this thing called Facebook is, <laughs> is it's, this is the uh, real deal. It's the real deal. And we really have to have one. I had to go to the CEO yeah. and, and kind of not beg, but really convince him this was the right thing to do. Right. Because at the time, not only were companies unsure, but you were opening yourself up for criticism and commentary that, no one had ever had a forum for, right? It's mm -hmm. been really, really interesting for a lot because I also lived through like the transition from shouting into a vacuum to getting real-time <laughs> feedback through social media. And a lot of people are deeply uncomfortable with the feedback. Because a lot of it's not nice, mm -hmm. you know? A Absolutely. Lot of yeah. and, and you know how much and how, uh, how hard that is to manage mm -hmm. when you have this big brand like you guys mm -hmm. do. Um and so I was starting all of these things and really getting to experiment. And Eric Isom, I still say, and he knows this, I still consider him to be the best boss I've ever had. <laughs> where, was, where is he today? Where he's is still above interest. He's still above yeah. yeah, awesome. That's cool. So that was my, I was like, okay, now I'm pivoting. And I'm going to be a copywriter. Mm -hmm. Well, then I started thinking about how much I really like my family. <laughs> well. And... So we, we have a really small family. It's just me, my brother, and my half-sister, who's 10 years older than me, who lived in California. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge appeal to go back and live there with her. But my mom and my dad and my brother were here. And I was like, you know what? I actually really <laughs> like my parents. And I'm, and, and I'm always really close to my dad. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to go back home and find a job. I got very fortunate that literally three months, just one summer, one summer I was unemployed and it was the best vacation of my <laughs> life because I had worked so much in college, yeah. right? Yeah. That it was like the best summer ever. Yeah. Um, I didn't even work. I didn't get to even come for breaks. You know, I yeah. lived in Moscow full time wow. even during the summers. So, but I got the job as the marketing assistant for Grand Teton Mall. Okay. And I worked for a guy named Dustin Christensen, which I bet he's pretty awesome. I bet he'll watch this. Um, and... He was like, you don't have any experience, but I think you have the, you get the moxie kid, right. you know? I, I was like, okay. And he wasn't that much older than me, you know, like maybe 10 years. This is like the 1920s in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. And there was no females. There was a female bookkeeper, okay. but the mall manager was male and he was male and, and everybody kind of the operations guy was male. And I was like this young female, which is like the story of my life now, um, jumping in. And I got hired in, I think August. And I think in January he left. And right before he left, he said, listen, I want you to take my job. Mm. I think you're ready for it mm -hmm. as the marketing director for mm -hmm. the mall. And I'm over here like, I've been at college for not even six months. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready, but thank you for the job opportunity. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, it, it sent me in such a positive direction. Mm. Um, and then I hired a fabulous assistant who was actually my, uh, actually an intern for us. And I began my mall marketing career. Mm -hmm. So I launched the mall gift card program. I was the person who did that. Okay. And it was a really big deal at the time because okay. we didn't have gift cards mm -hmm. for the mall. Mm -hmm. um, it ruins Christmas for you because you're <laughs> setting up the Santa house and you're working all these promotions yeah. and you see all these like 
really unhappy retail workers during the holidays. <laughs> like, you know, if you ever watch Bad Santa or something, yeah. like, yeah, that's your life in the mall at the holidays. It's horrible. Um, I still struggle going to the mall often in the holidays because yeah. people are really mean. Um, and so I end up there about three years. And um, this is actually a pivotal career moment for me. Um, the operations director had left the mall to go work for a company that none of us had ever heard of called Ball Ventures. Mm -hmm. And I got this phone call one day and he said, um, at work. And he said, hi, my name's Eric Isom and I am uh, the chief development officer for a company called Ball Ventures. Mm -hmm. We're <laughs> developing this project called Snake River Landing. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of it? Well, it turns out I had mm -hmm. because... We were members of ICSE, which is the International Council of Shopping Centers. Uh, big shout out to trade organizations. Yeah. Um, and I remembered their brokers presenting this fantastical project because yeah. it's this, this meeting happened in Salt Lake, and we were the only people there from Idaho Falls except their brokers. Yeah. And they said we're building this 300-acre master plan development, and I'm over here like, seriously? Yeah. Did you I think mean, they were crazy? Yes. Yeah. I mean, because we'd all we'd grown up here and yeah. we had seen it was a landfill and <laughs> it just, it seemed wild, but I was able on that call to say, I do know what you're talking yeah. about. And he said, well, we hired somebody, um, from your, your management team. And he just has said the most amazing things about mm. you. And would you have any interest in interviewing for position here? Mm -hmm. or no he said in talking to us about uh -huh. what we're doing and you know what i said i think you I, said sure no would you say i made no of course i didn't do the right thing um <laughs> i said well i mean is there a position open and he was <sighs> like well we're looking at changing some things around and you know there might be something mm -hmm. and i was like well I'm pretty happy here. So if you don't really have a position open, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty loyal to like kind of, you I, told him to beat it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Which is crazy. That is crazy. Um, okay. Crazy but the good later. news is again, man, that inner voice is not kicking in. Um, <laughs> yeah. That inner voice would have, man, would have been saying, probably. Hey, this is a great idea, Michelle. Maybe oh. just go talk to the guy. Yeah, and Don't I've had coffee. and I've had to deal with I've had to develop other skills, right? As I've gotten older, to 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 combat some of that, right? Yeah. Um, those almost impulsive, right, kind of decisions. So I hang up the phone, and then I'm like, hmm, maybe that wasn't a great idea. <laughs> so you call them back. I call somebody else. Okay. I say, hey, uh, here's what I did, and they're like, that seems like a wasn't a great idea. <laughs> and I said, you're, I think, I think you're right. It was not. <laughs> So I did. Mm -hmm. I called them back. I would have, yeah. And the well, best part have, is... I wouldn't have told them to take a hike to Yeah, I probably with, should have yeah. said no to begin <laughs> with. Um, so I call, I call Ball Ventures back. Yeah. And the receptionist says, you know, how can I help you? So can I talk to Eric? And she goes, which one? Oh, and I boy. was like, I don't know. I don't know which one. And she goes, is he kind of a money guy? Or is he kind of like a development guy? And I was like, <laughs> I think he's a development guy. Uh -huh. And she's like, okay, Isom, hold on. And, um, I got on the phone with him and I said, hi, uh, this is Michelle. I'm the one that just turned down that yeah. opportunity to talk with you. Yeah. Um, I said, listen, that wasn't a really smart idea. Just, you kind of took me off guard mm. and I haven't really been looking around and I am just a really loyal employee. Mm. And when I 
it, when I see something else, because remember at this point in time, I had only been with two companies pretty yeah, much. You were still a baby right? at this point. Yeah, I was a, I was a baby. And I, I I just worked Taco Time for a little time. <laughs> And, and, and general growth, which like, what a job to walk into. Like, I know, lucky I am. And I said, I absolutely would be interested in meeting with you. Um, if you're willing to give me a second chance. Mm -hmm. And he said, honestly, I really appreciate that you would just call me back. Mm -hmm. And I, he said, yes, I would love that. Mm -hmm. So that led to an amazing position as the first marketing manager ever for Ball Ventures. Mm -hmm. I still have so many of those relationships there and just kind of really cut my teeth. And it's all because I kind of had the guts to call back and say, I made a mistake. Yeah. And it was so pivotal. I can't even imagine what my life would be like now. Yeah. Be where, where, where if I wouldn't have called back. Isn't that so weird that like that one split second moment of you saying, mm, maybe I should have actually listened to him totally and, shifted the the direction of your entire life. Absolutely. There is, yeah. there is, there is no doubt. And, you know, I tell people all the time, if you make a mistake, mm. you know, learn this lesson from me <laughs> to go back and apologize. Yeah. Go back and try again, you know, do, you know, admit that you maybe didn't make the best choice. Yeah. Uh, because if you're dealing with a reasonable person, they'll forgive you. They'll move on. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to say, yeah. I made a mistake. I did something wrong. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. This is a skill set that I think marketers learn really, really early because you have to, because your work is on display for the world, mm -hmm. unlike almost anybody else's. Absolutely. Good and point. so you, you get a lot of feedback at times and you get good at saying, mm, maybe that was terrible, actually. Right. And <laughs> well, it's, and it's just it's a really powerful skill that takes people decades to master unless you're in marketing and you learn it pretty quick. You do. Yeah. Well, I I mean, like you said, I can't imagine like where I would be if I wouldn't have made that phone call again, because that, you know, sink of our landing, we tried to make prominent really quickly, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and we were doing lots successfully, of, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. you know, it's a great project and mm -hmm. I had great people backing me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but that led to me being, getting involved in the nonprofit world mm -hmm. in a way that led me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you don't just jump into charitable work usually, but you know me, I'm crazy. So I'm at <laughs> this chamber, um, you know, Sink of Landing's always been really involved with the chamber. Yeah. And I was like a founding member of Young Professionals Network, mm -hmm. which they just expanded the age. And mm -hmm. they one of the guys told me, he's like, you're not too old anymore. Like, you could totally come back. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a compliment. Well, like, um, like people are like 48 at Young Professionals right. Network. That well, it used weird. to be capped at 40. Sure. And that seems reasonable to me. Yeah, they've extended it to 45 now. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, we were really involved with Chamber, and I went to this Chamber lunch, and the American Cancer Society was the presenter. Mm. And they, at the end of the presentation, they said, hey, we really need help with public relations and marketing. Mm -hmm. Is anyone willing to volunteer? And I went home, and there was just something about it. Just, mm. just this, like, you know what? Like, I don't really know what they need, and I know nothing about ACS at all. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know anyone who's died from cancer. But <laughs> why not help out this group? Sure. You know, I'm just a helper, yeah. you know? So I call them up, and I it's like the cat conversation, you know, but like way 15 years ago. Like, <laughs> hey, I don't have – I have no emotional connection yeah. to your cause. But you guys seem like fun ladies. And um, What do you need? Kathy Dietrich, Joy McMurtry. Um, you seem like fun ladies. What can I do? Yeah. And they said, can you just write some press releases for us? And I said, no problem. Yeah, I do that sure. all the time. Yeah. I couldn't even go to Relay for Life 
okay, that year. I said, but tell me what it is because I don't <laughs> even know. And they were like, send me some videos mm-hmm. and like tell me about it. So I sent this stuff out and I said, I'm actually going to be in San Diego during Relay this year. But when I get back, if you want to start working on next year so that I can know what the heck we're doing in the future, mm-hmm. I'll totally keep helping you guys because mm-hmm. I really like you. Fast forward, they uh, sit down with me um, at Ball Ventures and they said, we have this challenge. Um, there's an, a, there's this kickoff event and the whole point is to recruit teams. Mm. What we usually recruit like a handful of teams and we spend like a thousand dollars and it's just gotta be better than that. Mm-hmm. So I say, well, let me think about this. And <laughs> this is so funny when I say this out loud. So a couple days later, I'm like, okay, well, first of all, spending money like that to make basically nothing doesn't make a lot of sense no. for this nonprofit. Yeah. I said, so how about we, we turn kickoff into another fundraiser, yeah. the fundraiser before the fundraiser. And there's this thing called Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? Even still? I've never seen it. Really? I have never seen it. But you, with, through the title, you kind of get what the whole so concept is. So I watched yeah. like a YouTube 30 seconds <laughs> and I was like, okay, celebrity professional dancer mm-hmm. hmm, let's make our own mm-hmm. and i called them up and i ended up creating idol falls dancing with the stars yeah never seen the show still haven't <laughs> and i tell but the ladies had seen it they were like oh we totally know and i was like okay anything we should take from the show that yeah. other than that <laughs> like blueprint and they were like oh maybe this maybe this because legitimately still never seen it so i ended up um doing some nonprofit board work yeah okay so you you do this kind of volunteer work it goes really, really well. And now everybody's like, hey, we need a little Michelle over here. That, that's got to be what happens, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I mean, kind of. I think it was like, well, she's got a lot of energy. Yeah. And, that's, and I would say that that is what I often hear is like, we need some energy. Will you come and do this thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So I ended up spending um, several years on the Art Museum of Eastern Idaho board. Oh, yeah, and I was right. like, you know, 30 years younger than everybody else. And I, <laughs> and I loved it. You know, I obviously loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. And I just ended up uh, dipping my toe in all these things. And one of them was being a board director for what's now the College of Eastern Idaho Foundation. Mm. And I um, really loved that opportunity because my mom got her GED there. Oh, interesting. And I remember being a child, her going to college. Mm-hmm. I remember her taking remedial classes and, mm-hmm. and again, like really pushing that message of you're going to go to college because she did not complete high school and um, you know, you're going. And so it was kind of, you know, my mom's college when I was little, you know, living in Yukon at the time. And so it was a pretty cool way for me to give back to an organization that had really been very kind to my mom and, and um, I think changed, you know, the rest of our lives because of that um, education piece. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward, their executive director announces she's going to leave and she comes to me and she says, I think you were meant for this job. Oh man. And I'm like, Melissa, I have never ran uh like any kind of nonprofit organization. You know, I made an event <laughs> that everybody knows about. You know, I created an event. Yeah. But I don't know how to it's do this. It's not the same thing. Yeah. And you know, I'm not a fundraiser. I right. remember saying I'm not a fundraiser. And she That's goes, a Michelle. hilarious thing for you to say now. I know. Yeah. She yeah. goes, You are a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. All fundraising is is marketing, mm-hmm. and you're really good at that. Mm-hmm. So you can absolutely do this job, but I'm giving you like 60 days notice. I'm giving you a really long time to think about this. And I really want you to apply. Mm-hmm. 
And at the time, we were partnering on um, this event that we had sort of co-created called the Great Race for Education. Mm. Might have heard of it, local <laughs> Idahoan, Southeast Idaho people. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had created that, and um, of course, I didn't know at the time I'd be meeting my future husband at, at a meeting oh, about boy. this event, actually. Yeah. Um, but um, I found out um, that I was pregnant with my first biological child about three weeks after she told me about this job. Mm. And, um, I didn't think I would ever be able to have kids. Mm. Doctor said that it was just probably not going to happen for mm-hmm. me. And at that point in time, we'd been training for about five years. Mm-hmm. And so my two oldest are adopted mm-hmm. and, um, that pregnancy just kind of made me think about what my priorities were mm. as far as the day to day. And I knew that I wasn't going to give up my career, but it was, you know, would I benefit from something a little more flexible? Because mm. I didn't know how I was going to feel, you know, you know, all the things that go through your mind. And so I applied, um, knowing I loved the mission, I had the experience and they basically said, this is a totally flexible job as far as working from home and whatever else. So fast forward, um, you do have to do a public presentation. That's like published in the newspaper. Oh, interesting. And so as everybody like knows. Your- yes application if process? You, if you are a finalist. And I became a finalist. How many finalists were there? Two. Two. So you and somebody else. Yeah. And who, I'm, who I actually am friends with and I know still today. But Oh, that's cool. So we, and we have to present in front of each other, in front of whatever <laughs> audience shows up and the board. And so how big was your audience? Not very big. Okay. You know, maybe 20 people. Okay. Yeah. yeah not very big. And the person you're competing against. Yeah. But is I'm that also, a little weird? That, that feels I've never, like, I've never had, I've never seen it since. I yeah, um, I've never heard I don't of such know a if thing. they still do it that way. Um, was it weird when you were in the room presenting? Oh yeah, because I remember, I remember that her first slide or intro thing said, "I was born for this," and I remember those words for some reason mm. so well. And did you think, "Oh no, I wasn't born for this"? Yeah, kind of. I mean, <laughs> there was that moment of like, well you know, you've got more experience than me. Um, you do have a great story. She's a great lady. Like mm-hmm. I said, I still know her today. And I'm also pregnant, which when, <laughs> you know, I, I think that people can't help but wonder Yeah. a little bit like, okay, we hire you and what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Probably. Sure. And I think we've all been there and y- 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 you I can't, haven't, but you, yeah, you can't I, help well, it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, maybe not you. <laughs> <laughs> you. You can't help it. And so I'm really grateful that the board kind of took that chance on me that I would come back because, uh, you know, everyone makes different choices after they have a baby right. and, and you never know. Someone might decide not to go back into their career. Um, I took a 10 day maternity leave. Oh my Dang, goodness. Dang, that's wild. I did. Bailey took like 10 months. I, oh my gosh, I'm it wasn't kidding. that long. <laughs> At East Idaho Credit Union, we offer startup loans for emerging businesses to help support you in the early stages of growth. This could be for inventory, equipment, or other operating expenses. Almost all businesses qualify. Get started today by visiting us at eastidahocu.org start. Federally insured by the NCUA. You've just delivered your own baby. <laughs> Ten days, you're back. I'm back. <laughs> you know, and I just, you know, higher education changed my life, period, end of story. Mm. You know, um... You know, I have a lot of family really on both sides um, that I don't think has just ever really escaped the cycle of poverty. And a big part of that is not pursuing higher education. Um, My brother, wildly successful and talented without Mm -hmm. a degree, wildly. Mm -hmm. Some people can do that. Some people people can do that, right? 
Um, Bill Gates he, didn't go to college. Exactly. You yeah. look at all these different. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg didn't. There's a ton of, of leaders that didn't go to college. But um, for me, it really was a ticket to a different life that I had really pictured since I was very little yeah. that this is what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And so to give back in that way was so rewarding. I loved literally every second of it. Um, and I ended up, um, you know, I ended up basically remarrying. And he is this wildly talented graphic artist. Mm. And um, I had met him through all this charity work, which I love because one of the things I love with my husband is I never have to ask to donate <laughs> or like to serve. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't have to ask permission or find support. It's like, oh, hey babe, uh, this charity thing is happening. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Like right. how much are we giving? It's not a question because he's so committed like I am to yeah. supporting the nonprofits. And yeah, it's pretty cool to have met working for the same number, you know, working yeah. toward the same goal. Um, but anyway, he was so successful in his magazine design career. That's actually what he did that he wanted to start this little graphic studio. Mm -hmm. And within about five ish months, he was like, I can't do this alone. Like mm. I, that gets growing so <laughs> fast. Why don't you join me? And it was so risky. I mean, we had four kids. Yeah. And, you know, uh, basically a 10 by 10 office in our house <laughs> with the baby in the, you know, the baby in the playpen. Yeah. Starting something from nothing. Um, creating a specialty in political advertising that really right. was coming from a, a very different perspective than what had been done here. And then we ended up competing with these giant ad agencies. Yeah. And it's just this this husband and wife duo. And I, that feels like a, for if it was like my wife and I, there's no way we wouldn't have gotten divorced. Listen, <laughs> it is. He would tell you we were on the edge many a times. I believe it. We first started out, our office chairs would hit each other. <laughs> That's how close they were. Yeah. You would have things like you're squeaking your chair again. Yeah. You need to stop. Yeah. It would be stuff like that. It was rough. Yeah. But we just believed so much in, I believed so much in his yeah. skill yeah. that we could do anything. Well, and he, so he's done some work for us as yeah. part of the credit union. He's fantastic. I can only imagine like, cause he has a, really an incredible eye for that sort of stuff. Uh, then you with just like your, I'm going to bend reality to my will kind of ability <laughs> is, uh, I'm, I'm not shocked that you were able to take on some of these big organizations that had done it for decades. Well, that's so kind of you. We were able to continue doing that together for about four-ish years, but it did get to a point where I thought, you know, things are going well and maybe I should explore something else. Mm -hmm. I have this opportunity at FinFun Mermaid mm. and I never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. I Google it and I'm like, swim a little more mermaid tales. Like, this is wild. This seems like a good time. <laughs> I just recently discovered that whole oh. thing. That's not really my wheelhouse no, per se. No, not your back. Yeah. And, uh, they I, do make merman tales. Well, maybe so. <laughs> I should look into that. Yeah. Maybe that could be good for me. Um, so, I don't know that I understand that whole industry or anything, yeah. but wild. It's crazy. I, yeah. I, I saw this opportunity and, and one of the things that really caught my eye was the international aspect of yeah. it mm -hmm. because in Idaho Falls, there's so few companies that market internationally. Right. And I thought, huh, like this is different. Mm -hmm. So I applied, I got the interview and it's so cool. Full circle here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ready for this? The person who ended up being my boss at FinFun mm -hmm. 
was a Snake River Animal Shelter board member. Oh, interesting. And she is the one that basically led me to my rescue dog there. Which wild. led me to the story and the passion of why I love Snake River. Yeah. So wild, right? Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we have I have this job interview and she's not from here. And I just get her because I've lived lots of places and she's not getting Idahoans, you know, like to <laughs> some extent. Um, the culture is so different because she um, she's from Ohio, but she worked in New York City and L.A. and oh, Tokyo. Really and different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She worked for Pokemon. Like, oh, dang. Wow. Yeah. like she's <clears throat> like a whole different world. Um, but I see all these photos of her dogs in her mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. and we start talking and we just really clicked. And I realized really quickly, this was somebody who I could understand. I think understood me. Um, so fast forward, I spent about three years at FinFun and um, really got to experience a whole different side of sort of okay. really niche marketing. Yeah. Real very niche. niche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want you to be honest. How many of those fin things do you own personally? I own one because and- I'm a horrible mermaid swimmer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm so bad at it. I was going to say, what do you do with it? Because I, I did go through like their Instagram and yeah. it's just pictures of people like wearing them on the beach. Yeah. And uh, I was just confused the so, whole time. So <laughs> basically a mermaid tail is um, two things. It's a monofin. So basically yep. like a scuba fin right together. Yep. And then it's this spandexy tail that goes over it. Yeah. And when you do a mermaid swim motion, so you have to be completely immersed. Is that the same as like a dolphin it's kick? It's a dolphin kick. Yeah. Okay. Um you can, you know, transform in theory into the visually a mermaid. Okay. And because you have that confinement and that the the binding of the legs, mm-hmm. right? It's it is a real skill. Mm-hmm. Little kids can learn this in like 10 minutes. Interesting. Wow. I could not learn it <laughs> ever. And I tried. I mean I had mm. I had professionals helping me. I could not do it. Does it make you more attractive to sharks? Um <laughs> I will say I've never seen anyone look bad in a mermaid tail. <laughs> I do think it's a very flattering look okay. for both men and women. I like it. Um, I like it. But it was fun to do something so niche. Mm-hmm. And the culture of mermaiding is obviously very fun. It's yeah. very fantasy um, and very unique. I think I, it would be a lot of fun to like run a brand like that. Well, it, it was fun that it was fun to do something that wasn't and didn't rely upon any of my experience or context yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. That you're starting over kind of, right? Yeah. You know, you learn that there's these little pods, mm. you know, throughout the United States and the world of places that are really attracted to this sport. Mm-hmm. And you got to learn about- You said about, sport. I know. It's, it's a sport. It's, it's a like life, you race. It, some people- can, It's a lifestyle. lifestyle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mermaiding is a lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, but competitive, a lot of competitive swimmers become mermaids and do mermaiding. Oh. And so- because foundationally, you have to be a dang good swimmer yeah, yeah, to make yeah. this work, right? right? Yeah, You have such an interesting diversity of experience because, gosh, you're marketing to wildly different groups. of like Just going from mermaid tails to, which I assume is mostly B2C kind of marketing work, right? Direct to consumer Actually, kind yeah, of stuff. Actually, yeah, various, but yeah, a lot of B2C. Right, and then going to something that's exclusively B2B kind yep. of work, which is a totally different motion. Yeah. Um, a lot of people actually can't do, like they get good at B2C or they get good at B2B and they, and they struggle. Hey, nobody said I was good at any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But I had a great time. And then, you know, a board member at the Snake of Animal Shelter called me one day, really, I mean, totally out of the blue, and said, hey, we are really struggling to find the right fit here. Mm. 
And I said, you know, are you considering me? Like, is that a thing? And they're like, are you, is this a joke? And I said, no. And they said, you would really consider doing this? Mm. And I said, maybe. I mean, oh, my rescue dog consider anything. Yeah. changed my life. Mm. And um, took, a, took a tour of the shelter. I'd been there several years mm -hmm. prior, right? Adopting my little dog, Chewy. And, and yeah, decided, you know, as much as I love my job, I wasn't looking around or anything like that. Um, very happy, happy at home. Cause you know, I was working at home prior to right. a lot of people, other people working at home. Uh, just the opportunity to give back to the organization that really did give us the dog that changed our lives mm. and changed my kids' lives. And you know, it, it sounds almost like a made up story sometimes when I tell it, but it's really hard to describe how much our kids grew emotionally having this animal to love. Mm -hmm. um, our first um, dog that we adopted right before this one, his name's Yoda. Um, he's a senior poodle mutt. Mm. And he had been basically raised outside. He's got no teeth. He's all haggard. And he loves me and that's it. And here's my four little kids, you know, Yoda. <laughs> and he's like, you know, no teeth, tongue hanging out, you know. <laughs> It was not the experience I was hoping for when I got these animals to mm. teach them about how to take care of one, mm -hmm. right? Because they weren't even, they couldn't even touch them. They still can't touch them, <laughs> by the way. So my old boss, Lynn, uh, Lynn Kennedy, I still have a great relationship with today. Um, Lynn calls me up one day and says, hey, there's this dog that just came in. I'm here for a board meeting. And I don't know how to say this other than this dog just belongs with you. Mm. And... She was right. Mm. I mean, we didn't have any real intention of getting a second mm. dog. Um, but we came down and uh, my son at the time was, I don't know, maybe six years old. And this dog just jumped up into his lap <laughs> and I saw him experience that, you know, that, that puppy love, you know, that dog kissing you and cuddling you. And he never had that before. Mm. Um, and it really was life-changing. And, uh, we call Chewy our little therapy dog because our friends come over and they're like, I just need to hold Chewy for a minute because <laughs> he just kisses you and yeah. loves you. Yeah. Um, he's a Chihuahua mini pincher mix mm. and, and just walking in that facility for the first time again and remembering meeting Chewy, um, like I'm going to try not to cry. Cause I cry almost every time I tell the story, it was just so powerful. Yeah. And so it was like, Oh, do I want to leave my really cozy job where I get to sit in my pajamas and I get to work with amazing people? Uh, no, but this place needs me mm -hmm. and, um, I want to see it grow and be successful. And yeah. this is my chance to do it. So what, what do you feel like, you know, you mentioned that they called you and they said, Hey, we're struggling to find the right fit. Uh, so when you finally showed up at the animal shelter, what kinds of things did you recognize that you needed to change, that needed work, that needed attention, yeah. needed a different path? I think that, um, you know, the animal rescue world, first of all, it's a lot of city shelters, right? A lot of yeah. municipal shelters. And they are ran sort of on the basis of animal control. And yeah. their mission and, and their practices are just different. They're not bad. We love our friends at the city shelters. Mm -hmm. They do great work. Um but it is very different. Yeah. And, but they had been trained by people who had only worked at municipal shelters pretty much. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that we're providing a very different experience in a city shelter, um, it was it was just very important for me to get everyone to understand that. Right. I'm also a clean freak, period, in a story. And um, although they didn't have any 
history with animals getting sick or anything like that. Yeah. You just never know what might happen. And so I had to, uh, you know, raise all the all the, the cleaning standards and really make sure they understood the value in that. Because mm. if you don't teach someone why you're asking them to do something, it's very easy for them to not be invested. Mm -hmm. And this goes in anything, right? When you teach mm. your kids something or, you know, whatever. So for me, it was educating them and getting them to understand, you know, how disease is transmitted. Right. Um, how you know, the statistics about how people actually pick out an animal and mm -hmm. what matters to them and being able to control that environment to the best of our ability to give these animals the best chance. Yeah. Because unfortunately animals who are locked up in kennels, they ex exhibit kennel behavior. Right. And it's not what they are. They'll be like when they get home, but you have to create the best circumstances for that. Yeah. So there was a lot of retraining. There was a lot of, um, you know, unfortunately having to switch out staff mm. And kind of start over. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we're we're growing. We're working on building um, a canine academy auxiliary building that's going to go next to cool. ours to train dogs in. Um, our, our construction estimates are all due October 1st. So we've got all Very kinds exciting. of, yeah, a lot of exciting things happening right now at the shelter that's really going to benefit, you know, the animals. It's great. Um, it, you know, this is a cause that we've, at this is a credit union we've donated to a number of years. Yeah. Yes. It's something that we, you know, I think uh, there's plenty of statistics and studies to show the benefits of animals in people's lives. Um, you know, you have people with like uh, high blood pressure and that's mm -hmm. really, really good for those people. People who, you know, are elderly, yep. keeps their minds sharp. It keeps them, you know, there to is, have like a purpose in life almost, and these sorts of things. There's almost not an ailment yeah. that an animal cannot either help or ease the symptoms of yeah. in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, but owning an animal also creates the opportunity for people to learn how to love and care for something so that they don't hurt one. <laughs> and right. this is, I know this is, sounds so rudimentary, <laughs> but, but if you, it's one of the main reasons why I wanted to raise my kids around animals yeah. was I wanted to teach them how to respect them and yeah. how to treat them properly. Um, and, you know, not raise that, raise that kid that was running around grabbing dogs' tails, you know, and like, and, and, and not treating them respectfully. That was really important to me. Yeah. Um, but that education side is really important. But I mean, my dad, um, I actually, I, for his 67th birthday, I bought him his first dog. Mm, wow. He had not had one as an adult. He had had one when he was very, very young. Mm -hmm. Um, and it absolutely has changed his life. Yeah. I mean, he got a second one very quickly because <laughs> he loved that he needed more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now his whole life revolves around these dogs and they bring him a lot of joy and vice versa. And yeah. of course they're both rescue dogs. Right. Um, and I've seen the life changing effects that these animals can have. And we have uh, a number of animals at home as well, outside of, you know, you got a whole farm, right? We've got, yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple of dogs. We've got a bunch of barn cats. We've got horses and goats and chickens and all kinds of stuff. But one of the big reasons why we decided to do that is the fact that it was good for our kids. Yeah, right? absolutely. Teaching them responsibility, making them actually do things. Every day having to go collect the eggs. That's yes. a great thing for kids to learn how to do. Absolutely. Especially the days when they don't want to. <laughs> That's It's so that good. work ethic. That's right. Well, I think that, you know, when I uh, moved over to the animal shelter, mm. it was, there was definitely people in my life that are like, 
Okay. You are the vice president of marketing for a swag company. Yeah. And now you're going to run an animal shelter. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a downgrade. Well, it's... Um, what's I don't the, know. It's, it's, it's what's the strategy here? <laughs> Shift. Move. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm all about taking risks, you know, period Same. in yeah. a story. You yeah. know, I... Um, I love a risky career move. Mm -hmm. I love doing something that people don't expect of me. Mm -hmm. um, I love exploring different sides of my interests or my abilities um, and sort of pushing myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there were definitely people that were like, you're doing what now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not only going to do this. Uh, I'm going to love it. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing I won't do in the animal shelter environment. Mm -hmm. um, I cleaned cat kennels at 730 this morning sure. and loved every second of it. And I every don't feel second pretty of it? much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't feel like I'm too good for it. And I don't think that I, I, I don't, it doesn't, it, it's a very valuable, it's valuable and important work. Yeah. Yeah. And to that. some extent, that's more, it's more important, you know, it's more important than selling swag. You know what I'm saying? So I, I didn't, you. I didn't yeah. really feel like it was a downgrade, but I definitely had people say, why would you sort of take a step back? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that I ever saw it as a step back or anything like that. It's just, it's a shift certainly yeah. in, in direction. I mean, I did that when I took this job, right? I came mm -hmm. from the technology sector. I then went to a you know a credit union in Idaho, and a lot of my friends were like, "What are you doing? Like this yeah. doesn't make any sense at all." And they're right; it didn't to them. Yeah. Um, just like your switch probably didn't make sense to a lot of external people yeah. either. Um, but it doesn't have to make sense to them either. Yeah. You know. Well, and I think that once you you and you kind of find your your comfortability in the position, and you yeah. start showcasing that right? right you start telling people and your social feed starts to reflect that mm. new <laughs> position right mm -hmm. um if it works for you it does become very natural you yeah. know and yeah, i yeah. think that's like kind of what happened to me as people were like oh yeah you do have two rescue dogs oh yeah we kind of forgot about that you know what i'm saying <laughs> they're yeah. like the big thing that no one can get over is how much i love cats now because mm. And I was super upfront with the board. I did. I told them this. I told before them this before I even you. interviewed when I talked to the board, uh, the I'll past talk president. To you, but I hate cats. I said, no, here's exactly what I said. Okay. I said, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I said, I don't hate cats, but I don't love them. But more importantly, I don't want to see them die. Isn't that sort of the qualification? And she laughed and she goes, Keeping them alive is our number one priority. <laughs> so if you are interested, like a, if you are interested in that, this is, this is really happened. If you're interested in that, that works for us. I feel like that's a fairly low bar. I know, right? Yeah, I know. But I, I don't want, want to see them die. But I, want, I don't love them, but right? I don't want them to I just die. wanted to be honest because yeah. I didn't want to be something I wasn't. Yeah. And I will say it was one of the things that, the, that my really close friends, they literally were like, but you're going to be around cats all day and you are not a cat person. <laughs> and now this is not a joke. I love cats so much mm. that I actually prefer to clean cat kennels than dog wow. kennels because it's my chance mm. to spend time with them because I have dogs at home, but I can't mm. have cats because my youngest son's allergic mm. to them. And so it's my chance to get to actually have a little cat time. And my friends are like, who are you? Like <laughs> your Snapchat is filled with cat selfies. Like we don't even recognize you now. And I'm like, listen, they grew on me, man. Like I love them so much now. <laughs> 
At Eastside Oak Credit Union, we're changing the future of business with our Velocity Money Market account. You can receive unbeatable returns on tiered interest rates. We have rates up to 2.02% annual percentage yield. Eastside Oak Credit Union puts local businesses first because when you do better, we all do better. Federally insured by the NCUA. What, what do you want to do? Uh, you know, I, I definitely have an interest in serving our community and our area in some other way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before I was an elected official, I was that person like rah, 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 term limits, term limits, term limits. <laughs> and now that I am now one, like, I want to be a king. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> but now that I am one, you realize, you know, nothing for like five years. Right. Yeah. It yeah. takes so long to understand how right. government works mm-hmm. that thinking that someone can accomplish anything or actually do anything very well in their first four years-ish is ludicrous. Now I know that. And now I am now I am more interested in candidates that have actually been able to become reelected and to learn more information in more than one term yeah. and seeing those, those folks in office. Now, I don't mean 40 years, but I do think that I'm comfortable with 20. Mm-hmm. I really am. Mm-hmm. Because now that I've served with somebody who's, I think, on their 16th year, mm-hmm. I now know it really takes that long to get good at this. So at 16 years, they're finally <sighs> useful? Well, <laughs> That's disappointing well, to I hear. know, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it? It really, well, they provide this depth of experience mm. and this historical background that I think mm-hmm. is so useful. And so I hope to become that yeah. at some point in time. And it's no, it is, um, it's no secret that I, I don't think it's a secret that I'll be running for my third term mm-hmm. on the Falls city council next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wild to think that I have almost eight years under my belt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's just are, are you such supr- a large part of my life now. Well, sure. Yeah. Are, so are you surprised then at how little you feel like you still know? You know, it's not that I feel like I know little. I think, you know, I got this question about power today. Mm. Um, And if I have any interest in pursuing something professionally in the power field at Mm. some point in time. Mm -hmm. And I had said, I responded to this person and I said, well, I still feel like I know so little Mm. after seven years almost. And they're like, but you know so much more than the average person that might be interested in this. And I'm like, that's absolutely true. But, you know, transportation is a sector that I've just sort of become this expert in and I just really love it and I know so much about it now and I feel like it is something I'm really good at. But I think that every elected official, particularly at a city or a county level, there is still weaknesses. There are still blind spots that you don't have down. That's why you have a bunch of them. That's why you have a bunch of them. Exactly. So, you know, that length of time does provide experience that I think is really useful. But One of the things that I'm always impressed with when, you know, when I do talk to like a governor a little is his ability to switch from topic to topic to topic and at least be able to sound intelligent about all <laughs> right, of them. Right. Um, that, that always impresses me with, with um, you know, public servants who have spent really a long time uh, just being exposed to all these different topics. And some of them right. are extremely complex as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. and I think that one of the challenges of being an elected official is being able to communicate in that way with your constituents Mm. and be able to give a 30 second or a three minute response that makes sense to them. I mean, I feel like that's your job to learn it well enough to explain it. Yeah. That can also make you dangerous, right? Because it sure can make you appear like a expert, right? (laughs) And I think every elected official has probably used that technique in a campaign or a debate, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, but you do learn at least a little about a lot of things. Well, and I think it's incumbent on on the elected official to make sure that they have great staffers, right? That that really 
are the ones who figure out how all that stuff really works. Before I um, ran for city council, I had absolutely no idea how important staff and directors were going to be to what I do Mm -hmm. and how actually the most important relationship is not between council and mayor. Mm. It's actually between council and directors. Mm, I think that's true. hundred to one. Mm -hmm. They really are the ones that hold all of the information and the expertise that you need to make a good decision. Yeah. What do we need a mayor for then? Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) What is different about the person who says, yeah, I want to go into this stuff. I want to go into government local government, public service, what makes somebody do that? I think that you have a, I think you have to have a personality that, uh, is sort of constructed around a desire to serve other people, Mm -hmm. um, or (laughs) a desire to be someone. Now, what I mean by that is, I know it does. Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely is. (laughs) Um, because I have ran a lot of campaigns right, for, yeah. for state officials, county, city, um, mayoral races. I've done a, a couple of judges. And I think half the candidates really, truly have this desire to change their community in some way. Mm. They think they have a skill or a talent they can bring. Or honestly, the more time goes on. Because I started campaigning probably back in 2013-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, a desire to change something because they're really mad. And they're really disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. And that anger or even that fear is very motivating to people to mm-hmm. want to run, okay? Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of that in our last city elections mm-hmm. of individuals who were afraid of um, COVID-related mandates. Mm-hmm. They were afraid of legislation that might do something they thought was harmful to their families, their businesses. And that was highly motivational for them. Yeah. But unfortunately, I would say the other half of officials, they really want that ability to say look i'm doing something and have that position Mm. i'm not even sure that it's a power thing as it is a i want to make a name for myself i want to leave Mm. this legacy and i want people to know who i am and and that's not all bad and that's not all bad yeah no in fact one of the reasons why i think we're such a well-ran state is we really do have really quality elected officials Mm. Mm -hmm. um and i think many of them ran just on a pure desire to serve and mm. do something different with their skills. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I think that's kind of why I ran. Yeah. Well, and it can be both, right? Like Absolutely. It, it can be somebody who wants to make something of themselves, but also wants to make a name for themselves serving their community. Okay. So a couple of years ago, this study comes out and um, it basically talks about how they've just kind of recently started to research and discover that some people don't have this voice running in their head. Mm. And um, I've got four kids. My oldest at the time, I think, was a junior in high school. Yeah, I was junior maybe. And he starts talking to my daughter, um, who's also a teenager, about this crazy thing and about how, can you believe that people don't have this running story or someone telling them, like, oh, man, this inner dialogue. And I'm like well, that's me. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you don't like, like, like something's not going in your mind right now. Like when there's a silence, Mm. there isn't this script going. And I was like, what? No, what's going on up there? Nothing. I am. (laughs) No, I am focused on the things happening around me. So you're just present with your surroundings as opposed to thinking like, what, so, how do ideas happen? I know. Like, so, is, do you have like an on deck circle or is it all just batter uh, up? Just so you Everything's do, batter yes. up. Yes. 
<laughs> so just so you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about this on Dragon Slayer because I've told so few people, p- people about this, but those I have, mm. they're like, we have a thousand questions for you. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And But I will tell you, this to me is so foundational to my success. Sure. Because every time I've failed... I don't have this voice inside you don't of have me. Anything second guessing you? Yes, That's I don't amazing. have this thing inside of me going, "Oh my gosh, you're a failure. Mm. Don't do this again." I don't have that now. I don't think I have an inflated sense of self either. So I want to make that clear. I don't think anyone would consider me to be wildly vain or no, braggarty. Not wildly. But not no. wildly. <laughs> just me a little bit. But you know. But I don't have that. The rare occasion it happens. So there is one time I said something one time and like five seconds later, I immediately regretted it. Mm. And there was just a, just for a split second, I was like, I better go fix that because I will forget it happened. So what's it didn't really register? No. So the negative, the downside is I think it's really hurt my memory because a lot of that replay, I think I've studied quite a bit of this now, mm. part of the replay that like everyone else has is going it's it's creating a memory right right Mm. so my memory is actually not that great Mm. and i take a lot of notes and i really try to know a subject Mm. because the more i know it the more i can recall it yeah the less you have to rely on your the less i have to rely upon like true short-term memory um i also so part of this is like i can't see myself in my mind so like i dream like first person shooter style like if i dream (laughs) I I am seeing it like I would see the world right now. Yeah, yeah. I can't watch myself do anything. I don't do, I don't do that in dreams either. Good. I I'm always first person shooter. Look at us we have in common. You like that? I I do have like an inner conscience though. That might be. The... Well, I have a conscience. I just have a voice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. But I, it, it, made, so but it made pageantry, for example, really hard for me because oh. one of the that one of the biggest challenges in pageantry was the coaches will will say visualize right mm-hmm. visualize yourself moving in this way mm-hmm. or turning your body mm-hmm. but i can't do your it your brain just doesn't do it i can't do it oh, this is so interesting so it was Ooh. so it's like really hard f- for me but i will oh. say it's why i don't hesitate right to run for city council at 29 right. or however old, yeah, I think it was, or, well, no, it, I was like 32. I was going to say, when I asked, did you ever at any point say, man, this isn't for me. And your response was instant. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, that was really a fast response. I can definitely see the positives of having no inner voice like this. Yeah. Tell me about the negatives. Like what problems does it cause you other than your memory? Yeah. Your short term memory is not great. Yeah, the memory's really hard. Um, I think that, you know, risks always come with challenges. Mm. And when, for example, I'm talking to my husband, like when I when I took on a, a new job or, you know, um, when we started our own little design studio, mm-hmm. it's, it's harder to <clears throat> focus, I think, actually on the negativity of a situation because if you want to do something, like if I'm like, okay, well, I want to do this, it's just, that inner critic, it, yeah, I just go. And yeah. that inner critic that sometimes does stop you from making a yeah. bad choice isn't there, isn't necessarily there. How do you evaluate like the risks, rewards, pros and cons of, of something without that like inner voice? Um, I think this is where collaboration and relationships really come in mm-hmm. um, and why... You know, I'm really lucky to have 
uh, a husband I love talking to because mm-hmm. he is very reliable for mm-hmm. good advice mm-hmm. <laughs> and for to see those risks and those maybe the downsides that I'm not always seeing. Um, particularly when it comes to a decision about myself, right? This isn't yeah. when I'm making a decision about infrastructure or something, I'm looking at th- those from a very different perspective. But mm-hmm. when I'm making my own choices that have to do with my own skills, abilities, esteem, all the things, um, it's good to have friends and a spouse and people to say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Mm. What, like, what are your thoughts? And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe what am I not seeing? Um, because that voice of self-doubt it does protect you too, to some extent, sure, right? Yeah, like yeah. Totally. the fight or flight, you know, um, and I don't really, ha- I don't have like a great instinct that way. And it's also something that wasn't developed be- that well because my parents were kind of obsessed with like keeping me safe. So like I've never <laughs> broken a bone or like had a stitch. Really? I was going to, I was going to say you must have had so many injuries through your no, life. I do have a bruised foot right now, truly because of a tube of uh, croissants dropped on my foot at <laughs> the store last week and my entire foot is black. I'll show you later. It's wild. Um, but like, I don't get injured because I was sort of taught like, let's not do risky things. Right. So like, I don't really play any sports. I don't ski. I don't do anything like that. The riskiest thing I do physically now um, would probably be road biking. With some croissants. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> Tell me what a story that is. Um, you know, I, I bike now and I was taught like, you never bike on a road. You would never get off the sidewalk. And my husband's like, that's illegal. And we're going to teach you to like ride a bike like an adult. Um, but I was terrified to like go down 17th street. Like I would yeah. never do that until I met him. And he was like, you'll be okay. Like a bike where my feet don't touch the ground. That wasn't a thing till I was like <laughs> mid thirties. He's like, yeah, that's not how you ride a real bike. Um, we're going to buy you an adult bike with the seats like high. Like yeah. that's how this works. Do you find that, um, sometimes you hurt people's feelings unintentionally? It's so funny how quickly you got there because yeah. <laughs> it is, such a part of my personality mm-hmm. again it is that that lack of inner voice mm-hmm. i don't always know when i'm gonna maybe come off in a way mm-hmm. um that could hurt someone's feelings and it's something i have worked so hard on in the last 10 years particularly mm-hmm. um it started off with bad email tone like i was <laughs> so like famous like in my <laughs> mid-20s for like sending emails that seemed like really harsh <laughs> and they were never meant to be that way and then right. i have coworkers like wow. wow like you're kind of upset and i'm like no i'm not i was just getting to the point you know <laughs> and they're like you could use some work on this yeah. so but it is something though that again thankfully coworkers and supervisors you know bosses had pointed out like you kind of seem you're like the nicest person but your emails are coming off a little mm-hmm. rough mm-hmm. and so i will not obsess but i will spend a lot of time mm-hmm. wordsmithing to mm-hmm. ensure that i don't come off that way mm-hmm. and it really is because i'm a really direct person mm-hmm. and i think that again part of that is the inner voice not coming through very well obviously um, but it's also just kind of my style that yeah. it turns out lying is just like a lot of hard work. <laughs> it's so much work to like it's remember it. it all. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have a bad memory, like I do, oh. you can't rely on that. Like <laughs> if you've made up some story to remember that consistently is really hard. Mm-hmm. So my husband will say, you are the worst liar. Like you're <laughs> so bad at it. And cause I, I don't have, I don't have the memory or the bandwidth to, rem- to remember yeah. the lie I told. Yeah. So I do tend to be really direct mm-hmm. and I ha- I think that's overwhelmingly helped me both in my life as an elected official and 
as just a leader and a manager of people Mm -hmm. because my number one rule um, for all of anybody who has ever worked for me is this do not lie to me. Mm-hmm. I can get, we can get over anything. Mm-hmm. Like if you've made a mistake, mistakes happen, yeah, let's okay. work through it. Yep. Do not lie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That really tips me over too. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Because I, I need that. Even if you're not a direct person, mm-hmm. I need you to just be honest with me because yeah. I'm always going to be honest with you. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's just kind of important. Yeah. I have some similar problems where I'm really, really direct at times. And in my 20s, I was very, very direct to the point of maybe being mean. And sometimes that still comes out occasionally. And so I've had to, like when I type an email out, especially if I know it's like kind of a charged sort of situation, yeah. um, I will go, I will try to swing as far positive as I'm capable. I'll usually read it out loud as yeah. I type it too. Uh, then, um, like a lot of times, I'll be like, "Andrew, can you read this <laughs> yes, before I yes. send this?" And just to make sure I got the tone right on on things. I, I do so, that all the time with yeah. my assistant or my husband. If it's mm-hmm. like not work related, I'll I'll have somebody mm-hmm. have somebody else read it because yeah, I've got the same problem. Yeah, but I do think I'd rather be that than the other way. I agree. <laughs> I, I I think um, I I think there's this thing like ruinous empathy. Right. Where you're you're so, so, quote unquote, nice that you're unwilling to be honest with people about mm-hmm. what you think or how you feel or what you see or your take on something. And and that's ruinous. Like, that's not helpful in any way. Well, and when you don't pick a side, you're picking a side. Right. right. I mean, and I think that is hands down one of the most difficult challenges that elected officials face. Yeah. They yeah. want to please everybody. Right. And saying, actually, I just disagree with you and this is how I voted and this is why. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that is so hard. It is so hard, especially sometimes you disagree with people that you know, you love or you respect in the community, in your neighborhood. I'm so deeply appreciative of people who do that, though. It's, you know. It takes bravery to do that. I I have a neighbor or had a neighbor who um, had said in an email, um, if you approve this thing, Mm. I am going to sell my house and move. Mm. Mm-hmm. and it was did you just respond with like a listing agents i know <laughs> i'll be honest hey. when the for sale sign went up because she kept her word she did she did i was like this is amazing like <laughs> i love you for keeping your word yeah and i didn't have to lie to you and mm-hmm. i bet i'm i'm definitely i got a good chance of getting a better neighbor than you so <laughs> i am not sad about any of this you know i may have texted the photos of the for sale sign to other neighbors to, so that we could all celebrate you know i i've come to this point in my life where uh after some experience and a little bit of practice of uh, tempering the directness a little bit, I've realized that I've kind of landed on on two principles that I always try to follow. And the first one is be honest, but be kind. And I try to mix those as much as I possibly can because I think it's really, really easy to be honest but not take into account how it might feel to the person receiving the information or right. the feedback or whatever. Um, and And you can be nice and be honest at the same time. Yeah, so that's something I, I've always really tried to do. Yeah, you know, I think that I wouldn't say I've moved beyond the honesty, but I will. You know, when I when I move into a yeah, that sounded bad. Um, 
still honest. Since being but, elected, I've really moved know. past honesty. No, I, I, I'm just at that point in my career that, you know, I'm managing people now in an animal shelter environment that yeah. are under a high amount of stress. Yeah. And they, you know, we deal with the worst of humanity every day. Yeah, period. End of true. story. Yeah. We have seen so much bad <laughs> and it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming, you know, for me where, you know, I may have, I may interact, interact with somebody who's being negative or who is doing something that I don't find very morally sound mm-hmm. once in a while, you know what I'm saying? But you know, every day we're pretty much dealing with someone who's either lying to us or, you know, abandoning animals outside of our building in the middle of the night, you know, just these really kind of dark acts that it's hard to get over. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I have moved, um, you know, it's like everyone knows my honesty rule, but, but I'm also trying really to inspire them to, to handle that stress in a healthy way Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to get wrapped up in it. Um, in fact, there is a high amount of depression, mental illness, suicide in animal rescue workers. I had no idea. Yeah. It's a very, it makes sense though. It's called compassion fatigue. It's very easy to just be so overwhelmed by all of the bad that happens and the death that can happen, Mm -hmm. um, that you get wrapped up in that. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard to see out of that. Um, so I, I'm trying really, really hard to develop those skills of sort of nurturing and mm-hmm. letting go mm-hmm. of the day to day and having them not take it home yeah. while also striving to be more. Yeah. I mean, we're a small nonprofit, you know, nobody gets paid that great, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. in animal rescue and especially in the nonprofit. Um, and so it's not worth taking all that home, mm-hmm. but you also have to inspire to, I think, do more because you are responsible for living, breathing things. And that is a very serious responsibility that if you don't think of it that way, it's very easy to become careless. It's very easy to, I don't know, not, not see outside of the harsh realities and try to think bigger and dream bigger for the animals and our mission because you can get all wrapped up in the emotions of the day. Yeah. The story's incredible. One of the things that sticks out in what you talked about is along the way you talk about all the people that for whatever reason saw something in you, for whatever reason took you under their wing. Tell me about the people that helped mentor you and why that helped you and why that was important to you. You know, I I really, you know, I, I drop a lot of names, you know, today in this podcast because there were so many people along the way that really did believe in me and you know, I think what they have taught me is, is you have to take a, sometimes you have to take a chance on people, you know, uh, you know, my very first, uh, real boss at the mall, you know, Dustin Christensen, he moved on to, he's still in entertainment and mall management and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff in Texas, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he made the conscious choice that, to believe in me, but also to teach me mm-hmm. and that he wasn't afraid to share that information. And mm-hmm. I think that you do run into a lot of leaders who they don't want you to know what right. they know. Yeah. And Justin wasn't like that. And he also told it to me straight. He was very like, okay, this is what they're going to think about you. Mm-hmm. And this is how you're going to combat that because you're, you know, you're 22 and they're, right. don't, they're not going to want to listen to you. Right. Um, and no one's ever been 22 in this job. Right. <laughs> and you know, 
he 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 told me the truth. Yeah. I think that was really important. You know, Eric Isom of All Ventures. Um, you know, not only did he let me make that phone call and you know get forgiven, he um, he just let me be me. Yeah. Even if that was uh, not what they sort of expected, he let me create that position. He let me do things um, and experiment. I mean, yeah. I think about all the video and the blogging that no one had done. And that he just totally let me experiment and do what I wanted to do. Yeah, really And I cool. think that's, you know, just super cool. Um, although my husband has never been my boss, we've always kind of been, you know, side by side. Um, he's taught me a lot about how important communication is mm-hmm. and communication tone is. Mm-hmm. He is an incredible writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes these birthday posts every year for people. And it's like you beg to like get on the list <laughs> because it's like prose. It's, yeah. it's really like incredible. Yeah. He's never written a bad email. He's mm-hmm. written, he has delivered bad news in the most beautiful way you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He's so good at it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he really helped me with. Um, you know, even though not as my boss, he, he helped me a ton. Oh. Um, you know, um, I had a board, I've had two, well, this is my second time now in a position where a board director has been my boss. Right. Yeah. And it's a very different kind of relationship. Very different, <clears throat> yeah. They're not there for the day to day. But man, have I had some amazing ones. You mm-hmm. know, I've got Chris Wearsma right now who oversees um, United Way of Southeast Idaho or Bonneville County. And, um, and she is a straight shooter who was also so forgiving of mm. my lack of experience <laughs> in animal rescue, mm-hmm. knowing that, I am always aiming to improve, to do better, to do right. Mm -hmm. And that as long as I keep focused on that, Mm -hmm. um, she's there with her experience with the Idaho Humane Society, actually, to say, oh, this is actually how you do this. Mm. And they've been so generous with their time. Um, I've got a treasurer right now who I've never seen work harder on any board, Mm. who is truly being a treasurer. And yeah. that is so hard to find. Yeah. Um, so the time they're investing in me is pretty, it's pretty incredible, you it's know? Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, without that leadership, you know, and I think that's led me to very early on, I, um, as early as, 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 um, Grand Teton Mall, I began an internship program. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have had probably about 12 interns in my life, even though, and that's kind of a lot, I think for <laughs> what I've done. Because I feel so passionate. This is actually mm-hmm. the only position I've had this far without an intern mm-hmm. um, yet. Because uh, I feel so passionate about doing what my first boss did, yeah. which is pass along that information and teach that next generation, right. you know, the skills that we have. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Last question. Bailey, you know what it is, right? Um, I have a question. Okay. Really on. quickly. What yeah. advice would you give to somebody who's starting out in their career path? You know, I I definitely think take risks and trust yourself. You're not going to know everything and don't, don't walk into any job pretending like you know exactly what you're doing. (laughs) Um, but you also have to have a healthy sense of sort of fake it till you make it. Mm. You know, I have landed in every single job I've had. There is a big missing piece of the puzzle that I didn't know anything about. Research it, study it, call people, ask for help. Never be afraid to ask for help. Never be afraid. I think generationally, Um, you have some people in your life that just will never reach out. And I think, um, one of my very, very best friends, her name is Michaela Matlack. She's a CEO of development workshop. She has really changed my life actually. Um, and not being afraid to say you need help and to ask for that. Um, and so young people don't be afraid to go out there and ask your friends or other people in this industry for help. I think you'll find an amazing community of people that do want to see you succeed too. Yeah. 
Beautiful. That feels like a pretty good spot to end. You, you've been amazing. Oh, thank you so much for yeah. having me today. I yeah. appreciate it. Snake River Animal Shelter, City Council of Idaho Falls. Do you have any social media that you have people follow? Um, yeah, uh, at MZD Official is uh, primarily my handles. Mm-hmm. Um, you always uh, have a little bit of fun on Instagram. You get to see some puppies and some kittens, baby. Love it. And then at Snake River Animal Shelter on, on Insta and Facebook. Um, you can't not love your cat memes and your videos, your dog videos. We have them all. <laughs> love it. Thank you for joining us on the Dragon Slayer podcast by Eastside Ho Credit Union.